I'm Michael Boxall, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm steve mcpherson i'm here with callum williams cal i'm headed up north next week with my extended family for our annual cabin outing and i'm really looking forward to it what is your favorite vacation destination Ooh, million dollar question yeah to start right things off wow um that is a very good question you, it could either be it could be somewhere you've been that you really enjoyed mm-hmm. or um an aspirational place someplace you'd like to get back to uh i mean sorry some place you'd like to go that you haven't been before well there's plenty of those uh, i'm um i have uh i would say a desire to go and, and see what asia and um the middle east has to offer sure uh, australia has always um you know, been on the priority list as well. But um, I, uh, what I will say is, um, so my uh, my mom and dads, they essentially now live in Spain, oh, and nice. they they have uh, tough prior life. to that, tough life. <laughs> prior to that, no, they they deserve every every I'm sure, I'm sure. ounce of relaxation they they can get their hands on nowadays. Um, they, uh, you know, prior to them buying in southern Spain in a place called Marbella. They had vacationed around the area for for a while, um, and so I spent uh, you know a, a decent amount of my teenage years in southern Spain, mm-hmm. and that was always uh, a glorious place to go on vacation. That was always somewhere that I really enjoyed going, and and still whenever we get the chance, we we quite like to go back. Um, haven't been for a while now, but uh, a couple of years I would say. But um, it it's um, a gorgeous place to go and visit. Um, I'm a big fan of Spain and Spanish culture and everything, you know, and it's an easy place to get to from England as well, which which is obviously, um, it helps. Yeah. But um, I uh, just always have fond memories of, of that area. It's, uh, as I said, the town is called Marbella. They are a, a couple of minutes away from a lovely uh, little dock, if you will, called Porto Banus, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Um, and on a, on a good day, Steve, you can look over the the water and you can actually see Morocco. Um, It's it's beautiful. It really, really is. It's a fabulous place that the culture there is wonderful. The lifestyle there is is fabulous. Um, It's a place that uh, that I I do long to go back to at some stage for sure. Yeah, I think that uh, I feel like I sort of have some of the same feelings about vacations. I mean, some people are very uh, they want to be challenged by vacations. They want to go hiking in the Andes or something like that. Um, eh, not really for me. Uh, I do a lot of urban vacations. I feel like, you know, going to cities and then seeing what they have to offer, which, uh, which I do enjoy. Um, I'm not that into like pampering vacations. Uh, I have never done the sort of all inclusive resort thing, uh, where you go to Mexico and it's sort of like, you have to think about money. You just like, it's all going on a, Bill, I would like to maybe give that a shot, but I've never been a huge tropical vacation person. I do it. I, I've, I only did it yeah. just this past off season. Okay. Uh, I went down with my wife's family down yeah. to Cancun, and and it was, you know, about as glorious as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that'd be very nice. I mean, I'd like to do that. I think that with with kids now, 
I'd like to do things with them that are either exciting for them or things without them where I don't have to think about anything because <laughs> I'm tired of thinking about things I've to do with my kids. So, but I do like, um, I do like up North. I like the North shore here in Minnesota a lot. I feel like it's, it's well calibrated for me because it's not like there's a ton of events or things going on. There's enough. There's some galleries in Grand Marais. There's, there's, uh, there's good restaurants along the shore. There's plenty of hiking. There's outdoor stuff. And it's like laid back, but not so laid back that you feel like somebody is like, go out on the beach and sip margaritas. Like it's sort of, it feels like a little bit different than that. So sure. I do really like the, the North shore. It's great for vacations, both with the family and without the family. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's very, it's very peaceful. Like, like superior is a place you got to get if you have. So, so, there, so. I, I hear like superior is meant to be superior. Uh, forgive the pun. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it's better than the other lakes that aren't called superior. <laughs> um, what, what's your favorite place that you've been to outside of the U S um, I think that that's a good question. I really like Paris a lot yes. as a city. Uh, it took me a couple times going there before I really, um, uh, felt at home being there, sort of that sense of like, I, I got it. Um, the first couple of times I was there were on like, like a, it was like a, a spring break trip from high school. And so you were there for like less than 24 hours. And it was like, here's the Eiffel tower. Look at this. There's the Louvre triangle. You know, like you didn't really get anything out of it. Um, but I was, I was in a band that played, uh, we went over to Paris twice to play shows and, you know, played with some, some French musicians. And, uh, that really, that really, there was, I think each of those trips was, you know, like a week or so. It really made me feel like I was getting to know the city as a city and it's, and it's amazing spot. It's terrific. Um, There's a lot of places I'd like to go back to. Uh, I was in Tokyo. I like to go to other, I like to go to Kyoto and some other places in Japan. Mm-hmm. Always wanted to go to Ireland. Uh, my oh. wife's family is, is from uh-huh. Ireland and a good portion of my ancestry is Irish as well. So obviously with a name like McPherson. It's yeah, like I was going to say. <laughs> Irish and Scottish is, is you know, it's like I, I'm mostly Germanic, I believe. Um, but there's a, there's a strong amount of, of Ireland and Scotland. So I'd like to go over there, which would be, I think that'd be good with the kids. So. Well, I would always, if you're, between the two, I would always say, look, I have nothing against Scotland. It's a lovely place, but always go to Ireland because yeah. just, there's a lot more to do. Sure. Uh, in my opinion, that there's, there's a lot more to do. And there's um, it, 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 sh- it, it depends on the situation as well, if you're with young kids and whatnot as well. But uh, a lot of my uh, family on my, my mother's side are from, um, from Ireland and, and particularly Dublin. So um, that, that's certainly a city that pulls at the heartstrings. I go yeah. back and, as often as I can, and it's uh, my, and my missus and I quite enjoy going back there whenever we can. And it's uh, yeah, it, it's a great place. I highly recommend Dublin or just Ireland in general if anyone ever has the chance. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna get over there. I think that once uh, our youngest is, is three and a half right now. I think when she gets up to about like five, five to six, and then our oldest will be eight, nine. Um, I think that will that'll be a good age of you know it, traveling with kids that age is a little easier than traveling with a three and a half year old. So yeah, I think so because there's very little less harder than traveling with a three and a half year old. Um, so, <laughs> um, speaking of youth movements, uh, the U S men's national team, uh, game that happened the other night at Allianz field last night, uh, based on when we're recording this, you were there. I was not there. I there was another soccer game going on <laughs> that Minnesota United was playing. Um, your impressions from the U S men's national team first, what was it like to just be in Allianz field when it wasn't a Minnesota United game? Like that must've been at least a little bit different. Um, I, I found it certainly less strange than the Open Cup game when I was walking around. We didn't have any commentary juices for the Open Cup when 
Minnesota beat Kansas City. That that was strange. That was walking around the stadium, seeing the loons on the field, and I wasn't up in my regular sure. perch. That that was a bit bizarre. Okay. This wasn't as much because it's an international game. I've watched many an international game in, in a plethora of stadiums all over the, the world. And um, yeah, it, it didn't feel too bizarre. But uh, what I will say is walking around as a fan, what a tremendous experience that... Um, quite frankly, I'm jealous of, of our fans who get to do that sure. every other Saturday and walk <laughs> yeah. into Allianz Field and, and go into the Brew Hall, have a, a pint before the game and um, you know maybe watch whatever game is on on the, uh, the screens in there and then go and enjoy their team and scream and shout and, and support. You know, it's, uh, it was wonderful. It really, really was. And uh, I was sitting uh, just behind the, the US bench, slightly to the left, and I... Um, I, I was slightly worried when I was told that those were the seats because I thought, well, well, they're not going to be that great a seat. Um, and I've heard this from people, and now that I had the chance to walk around the stadium in the Open Cup, and now I've sat down for the majority of a game for the game um, against Guyana last night, I genuinely don't think there's a bad seat in the house. Yeah. And there's not very many stadiums you can you can say that about. Yeah. It it was um, it was it was a, a fabulous experience. It really really was, and. Um, you know, uh, I, I <laughs> inevitably, when the U.S. national team come back, because I was told that a lot of the, the senior figures at U.S. soccer were very, very impressed with what they saw at Allianz Field. Mm-hmm. Uh, so inevitably, when they come back, I, I would love to do that again. And uh, quite frankly, I can't wait. It was, uh, it was a great off-field experience for sure. Yeah, I had the opportunity uh, in the Open Cup game against Sporting Kansas City to walk around a little bit uh, during the game, take it in from a couple different perspectives, which is nice because, you know, we have a nice view from the press box, but it's, it's a little bit farther up. Uh, you're, in a, you're in a little room. It's, you've got an open window, which is nice when it's nice out. But it's just good to take it in from some different places. I went to the top of the supporter section, top of the mm. Wonder Wall, which was terrific. Uh, it, it, very good view. Uh, up at the top there. It's almost like you're sort of playing a, a video game uh, like <laughs> from that end end line view. I went into a, a corner section uh, on the northwest corner, sat sat there for a little while, which I, I don't tend to think of, nor- of corner sections as being particularly desirable. I think they're usually priced lower, but I thought mm. it was a fun, sort of an interesting angle to see the game from. Um, so, I, I, you know, I rather enjoyed it. Walked around the concourse. Uh, again, just a, a tremendous stadium and yeah. uh, you know i think that the more comfortable that i get there the more comfortable people are getting there the, the more it is i think they've i know they've worked really hard to not just make it state-of-the-art and not just make it really nice but to make it feel comfortable yeah. and i think it does it does really feel like a comfortable place to be i remember going to the target center when i back when i was a wolf season ticket holder and it was like you know, a lot of weekday games, they, they half the concession places weren't open on the top level because it was like eh, who's gonna bother eating here like it was very cavernous and dark and uh, mm. target center has obviously been renovated and it's it, the spaces are a lot you know more modern now but i just i think the, the comfort level at allianz field is is just terrific it's very fan friendly no doubt about it and more than anything now steve it, it really i certainly get the sense it really is starting to feel like home and it's starting to become somewhere as you mentioned that that is um exceedingly comfortable for whether it's Minnesota United fans or now, as we've seen, uh, U.S. national team fans. It's, um, you know, it's great. It really, really is. And, and you know, we, we might be slightly biased here, but um, <laughs> look, for me, it is, again, I'm fortunate now where we've been to the majority, if not all apart from one or two stadiums, soccer stadiums in this country. And um, it, it's certainly up there with uh, with one of the best. And, um 
You know, I, I can understand people saying why they think it is the best as well. We, we are very, very lucky. And I remember walking around the stadium when I first walked in, actually, before the US game kicked off. And it was just a sea of people just enjoying uh, the, festiv- the festivities and, and, and having a beer, as I say, in the brew hall and, and just uh, taking in what, what is uh, such a, a glorious um, looking fields, um, especially under the the lights as well, and everything. It, it's wonderful, and um, yeah, we, we are just so lucky here in Minnesota that we have a stadium of that magnitude. Uh, let's move on to the game a little bit. Uh, the the against Guyana, obviously the U.S. drubbed Guyana four zero, but I definitely heard some grumblings. I mean, I think obviously people can be hypercritical uh, and are hypercritical of the U.S. Uh, men's national team right now because of you know what happened with the World Cup and this idea of how do you get back to to competition. Um, I felt like I heard grumblings about, well, they won, but that's what they're supposed to do. They're delivering just what's expected against a country that they shouldn't really have any problem with. And also that just the soccer itself from the U.S. doesn't, is not tremendously appealing right now. It seems uh, maybe a little workmanlike, um, a little bit like the team is still, and I'm not saying that, that that's the way it's always going to be, but that the team is, um, for right now, doesn't feel very dynamic or um, exciting. I, what, was, what was your impression? So a couple of things here. One, I will agree that right now it doesn't seem as though the United States um, really have an identity. We don't really know yeah, what maybe their style is. Yeah. Um, and that, that can take time. Um, but right now it certainly doesn't seem as though they have an identity at all. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think it, it may be a little harsh to judge them at the moment going up, and I say this with all due respect, against the team of the quality of Guyana because apart from a couple of breakaways, there was no real intent to actually play football there. They, they just wanted to box in, hit on the break, and try and claim something, um, which is, is smart from their uh, perspective. So what that meant is that it was so tight in midfield, there weren't really any opportunities to see the United States play, apart from a, you know maybe a handful um, throughout sure. the entirety of the 90s. So I, I, I would be much more intrigued to see when they play in the next couple of weeks, you know, against Panama and whatnot and Trinidad and Tobago and teams that I think, um, particularly Panama, um, that I think will be a little more abrasive and um, a little more willing to actually go and play a little more. Um, the, the, the biggest frustration I had, though, was was actually with um, with McKinney in midfield, um, who I rate, I think, is a very, very good central midfielder. There's a, a reason why he's at Schalke 04 in, in the German Bundesliga and uh, will go on to have a very good career. And people forget he's still only 21. Right. Um, but I got slightly frustrated because, um, at least from my vantage point, in the first half, at least in the opening 30 minutes before the U.S. found the back of the net, I think it's around about the 27th minute mark. Um, for me, McKinney wasn't dropping enough to, to receive the ball and, and play on the half turn. There was there was nobody, and Bradley could be, um, I, I guess, fall in that category as well. But but McKinney has much more of a responsibility. He was playing a lot higher than Bradley, mm-hmm. but. I still expect him to drop off and receive the ball from whether it's Zimmerman or Long. For the majority, it was Zimmerman, although it should have been a lot more, actually. But um, I didn't think McKinney dropped enough to play on the half turn, which meant the wide players couldn't press as much as they wanted to because there was no outlet then. There was no sure. no um, player who, who would dictate. And and I, it, it took a little longer than I thought for the national team to, to realise this. And then if you go back and watch it, when Ariola eventually scores and the U.S. get themselves ahead, mm-hmm. it comes from 
McKenney actually having the ball higher up the field because he started getting involved in, in the play. He actually moved in to the central midfield and played a one-two, I think it was Christian Pulisic, and, and then returned it into Ariola, who then obviously scored from the angle. Um, and um, look, that's fine. It, it, he, he, every player is allowed a bad game from time to time. It wasn't even a bad game. I, I thought McKinney just didn't start the game very well. Sure. And then when he got into it and he started playing a little more and he got out of what was a, a very, very packed midfield uh, that Guyana purposely put in there, um, it was congested beyond belief. Um, mm. But I'm also said, congested beyond belief right now. I, so I know I'm, I'm sniffing. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I got. To, I, have, I have allergies that have just turned into a cold. So, ah. so forgive me if I'm if you hear consistent sniffing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just sniff and you're like congested. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, yes. It, no, the midfield was congested, and I thought Guyana did a good job of, of doing that. But um, you know, if, if McKinney's got anything about him, he's got to be better in those sort of situations. Um, as I said, I, I was thoroughly underwhelmed in the opening 30 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I could say in the opening 45, to be honest, that there were a, a couple of half chances but uh, look as, as soon as as soon as it's um, as McKinney got himself into the game um, and then obviously when they opened up a little bit in the second half when they brought on Roldan and, and Will Trapp came in to, to solidify a little more and, and then Mihailovic came in and there was a little more spark from the central midfield obviously the floodgates opened then and, and the US were able to go and score a couple of goals I thought um, the lad Tyler Boyd looked really really good um, when he got into the game, as I said, a, a little bit constricted in the opening 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. But when he got himself into the game, I thought him and Ariola were, were really impressive. And, uh, you know, Boyd's, um, well, I think both the goals were, were very well taken, but I thought the second one he hit with such precision. And uh, that'll do him and, and the US men's national team that the world of good in terms of confidence moving forward into the next game. Yeah, well, there's a lot of Gold Cup uh, left to left to watch. We'll be following along with it. Uh, speaking of an underwhelming uh, first 30 to 45 minutes, have you watched the Houston uh, game from the open cup yep i I watched it in the office uh (laughs) this morning um yeah it it wasn't particularly great was it and i must admit when i saw the scoreline at 2-0 i thought right well there we go then that's uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's one of my notes yeah that's us out um and then all of a sudden uh, i I, know i was on my way to the stadium then and um I, i saw uh, you know, my notifications on the phone blowing up saying it's 2-2. And I thought, oh, wow. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. brilliant. And then I, I saw the the Quintero second goal. It was absolutely oh, spectacular. The way he's beauty. curved it around uh, Fuenmayor and, and into the corner was, was wonderful. Um, and as well because... Um, the goalkeeper Nelson was making his Dynamo debut as well, and just prior to that, he had made some really good saves oh, as well. He had stood on his head a couple of times. It was there, there was the one from Rodriguez, which was from close range, yeah. and he's just all of a sudden, you know, he, he's able to to tip the ball away out of no out of nowhere, and um, his claw seemed to appear from another universe. You know, it yeah. just didn't seem like the save was on at all. And um, look at two two, I thought to myself, right, here we go, we're, we're back in it. And as I said, I was on the, the light rail then over to Allianz Field and, and saw the notification come through that it was 3-2. Straight away, got the goal up and, and you know, very, very happy for Mason Toy. who yeah, um, absolutely. You know, uh, I know it's been weighing on him that he's not scored this season, not only for Minnesota, but for Ford Madison as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that goal will, will help him confidence-wise. And I actually, I, I texted our assistant manager, Ian Fuller, shortly afterwards and said, um, you know, you, you must feel a tremendous sense of satisfaction because I've lost count the amount of times, Steve, when um, particularly last season as well, Ian Fuller would stay behind with Mason Toy and work on finishing and and work on the timing of the runs and, and pulling away from the centre-back and, and whatnot, which is exactly what he did for the goal. So, yep. um, 
you know, yeah, I, I think credit where credit's due. I think the coaching staff got this one absolutely right um, when they made the changes as well. So yep. it's, uh, look, on to the next round and uh, looking forward to seeing uh, if it's Dallas or New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I found myself thinking uh, as someone who has to recap games um, and watching this one happen, I don't, I don't think I've seen uh, an MNUFC game deliver this clear and compelling a narrative since the win over Atlanta in 2017, where in that game, Minnesota uh, went up 1-0 on a goal from Abu Dunlady early, uh, and then it sort of was sort of holding on. And then the 60th minute, uh, Atlanta was playing their second-string goalkeeper, uh, Kyle Rainish, and he was given a red card for interfering with a goal-scoring opportunity. And we were like, oh, well, we're up a man, we're up a goal, this is great. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta just came on like a house on fire, scored two goals yeah. in short order. And I was, I've said this before, I think on this podcast, but at that moment when we were up a man and down a goal to Atlanta who had beaten the pants off Minnesota United, I was like, I have to quit. I can't, <laughs> I can't work for an organization that, that loses like this. And then it all came back. Minnesota came back. It's two goals in stoppage time to get that win on the road against the Dons of the league. Like it was terrific. And so this game, this game, when it went down, when it went to two and two Oh, I was like, well, that was nice. You know, like uh, we had a good run, got to the round of 16 again. You know, these are the reigning champs. Uh, what are you going to do? Minnesota just looked completely unengaged in the game in that, in that first half. Like, I, I don't know why. I don't know if it was, if, if the heat has something to do with it, if, you know, fatigue, if the shape, if the four, three, three, I think it seems like maybe the four, three, three had something to do with just the opportunities not happening on the field in certain ways. And then it, it didn't, maybe they weren't getting rewarded because of the way this, the, the, the players were spaced out. But man, it, after, after that change of moving, um, uh, putting in, um, they moved to Sonny uh, back to right back and yep. put Miguel in, into the midfield, took out Eric Miller and Miller had gotten some opportunities pushing up on the right side, but neither Dotson or I, sorry, uh, Gasper or Miller looked particularly like, aggressive or as you would say abrasive in mm-hmm. terms of in terms of their play and it just sort of it sort of opened things up um and it was it was amazing to see them you know this is one of those games where like a lot of times you know if they lose adrian says you can't allow two goals on the road and hope to come back but they did <laughs> like they, they pulled it off darwin's long range shot again that that sense i loved what i loved about it is that you know, we sort of saw his ex- offensive explosion against Sporting Kansas City, thinking maybe is this him getting, you know, getting back on the right track. And this was sort of gives me more confidence that he's he's getting there. Um, just to have the confidence to just kind of uncork one of those shots from that far out and just say, I'm going to go for it and I'm going to put it on frame and I'm going to make something happen. Uh, that was terrific. It was great to watch. It was good. And the, the goal uh, that he scores, the second goal he scores, I don't think he scores that two weeks ago. Right. I don't think he has the confidence he, to pull it had, off. He had a, I mean, like I, I would say like prior to the open cup game again against SKC, you occasionally saw him fire in a long range shot, but it didn't feel like it. It, it felt more speculative than anything. Mm. This felt more like, all right, I'm going to, you know, prove to me that you're going to be able to stop this shot. And, and that the way watching the way it curls around Fuenmayor, like you were saying, it's like mm-hmm. he almost used Fuenmayor as just, a, just enough of a screen that Nelson couldn't quite get a good beat on it. Um, just a lovely, lovely little bit of skill there. I, I just think as well, the technique involved in it as well, Steve, in terms of him having to, to, you know, um, curve his foot slightly as well. It, I, I don't, I just don't think he would have tried that a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't think he would have thought that would be a possibility just because of where his confidence was. Yeah. So um, it's good. Look, hopefully now Darwin can continue to blossom 
and this form translates from the Open Cup into Major League Soccer. Yeah. Uh, last thing I wanted to mention that I really liked was, um, again, Angela Rodriguez, who also needed to get off the schneid, I believe, was the, the technical, technical term. There. So, um, <laughs> and has done so. Uh, one element of his game, we talk a lot about his hold-up play. One of the things I love about, and it's, it's tough because you need the hold-up play to be not as, it doesn't have to be successful in terms of di- directly generating goals, but it needs to be a thing that, that, that is a, a major part of the game for this to happen. But you saw it on, um, on Darwin's goal, his first goal where Darwin flicked it on to Angelo and Angelo was in the box and he sort of had that setup. Like I'm going to stop this ball up and distribute it. And instead he just made that little turn and ran for the byline and totally bamboozled the defender because, you know, that's what you do is you, you post up, you post up, you post up, and then you go on one. Mm-hmm. And then Darwin continued his run, and Angelo got it back into the middle for him. And, again, that's one of those nice things because that that run to the byline is not available without that hold-up play before it, even right. if that hold-up play is not has not generated a goal up to that point. So it's uh, it, it, I like those little things. I like those little wrinkles in the game. Yeah, and, and the thing is as well, Darwin's secondary runs off of Angelo haven't been particularly enthralling as well over the sure. last couple of weeks. So Agreed. now that both of them are starting to connect a little more, now they both have a little more confidence. Uh, let's see. Let's hope that that can translate into the next MLS game against FC Cincinnati. Yeah. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, we're not going to parse out deep strategy for a friendly against Ford Madison that's coming up on Tuesday, <laughs> um, June 25th. But this is the first game between uh, Minnesota United and its, its USL affiliate, uh, Ford Madison, who are doing great. I mean, they're just a f- super fun team. Uh, it's everything you want out of second division or – you know, USL soccer, basically they're funny. Their uniforms are great. Um, they have their tongue firmly planted in their cheek for everything. Uh, and Madison is a great town. I don't know if you've been to Madison before. No, I haven't. It's really, it's a really good place. Uh, I've been there a number of times. Uh, my wife had some, uh, friends who were going to school there. Uh, I stopped there a few times on the way to Chicago. Uh, it's a great, it's a great little city. Uh, and I just, I really like Ford Madison and I like having that relationship. And again, it's, I mean, I guess it's, this is mostly an opportunity for, hopefully it's an opportunity for Ford Madison. You know, you get to have an MLS club come into town, play at Bree Stevens field and, uh, get some, get some profile for the club, uh, and for the flamingos. Uh, I just love everything about what Ford Madison is doing right now. Yeah. It's, and, and you know, um, what I was impressed with, was that the roster that they actually assembled moving into their first season as well. They've, they've got some really decent players. Remember that the first signing that they announced was Don Smart. Um, and uh, you know, a Jamaican-wide player who, who had had success at Indy 11 in, the, in USL. And, and I thought to myself, it was a really, really, a really good signing. Uh, obviously, they have taken advantage of, of um, the agreements with Minnesota United, and we have taken advantage of it massively as well by getting yeah. game time for the likes of Olmsberg and Manley, uh, Mason Toy in particular as well. I know um, Ben St. Clair has had some time down there as well. Um, but, you know, they've got some good signings with some real MLS experience. Uh, Paolo Jr., I thought, was another good signing as well. Obviously, had um, had time at RSL in MLS and then went on, I think it was Tampa Bay, in USL and a sprinkling of other USL teams um, at a higher level, higher USL level, you know. So I was quite surprised with some of the players that they managed to bring in. And, um, you know, the um, JC Banks as well is, is another player who, who I thought was a really, really good signing. And, you know, um, we, we all saw um, uh, Gerald Tayama as well in the preseason for Minnesota yeah, United as yep. well. That, that was, I think, again, after 
after Adrian Heath and the coaching staff had him for another preseason. You know, I think the thought was that, right, he's probably not going to be into the MLS roster, but we still want to keep tabs on this kid. So I know what we'll do is we'll have forward Madison sign them. And, and, and he's done well. So, you know, that they are, they are, they are a good USL team, no doubt about it. Um, yeah. You know, they have, have leadership as well with, with Connor Tolbin as well. And um, from a, a goalkeeper's perspective, um, Ryan Coulter, Irish goalkeepers, you know, about as steady as they can. But, but also Brian Silvestro as well. I, I thought that was a really, really good signing. And I, I say this with all due respect. When I saw that that signing was made, I thought, oh, wow, I, I kind of thought he would have signed at a, a higher level, again, with all due respect. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just think they... Um, they're doing things right. They really are. Um, and the, the, the other one as well, uh, Nunez, the uh, Panama international. I mean, he's, um, again, I, I, I say with all due respect, I just expected him to sign at a higher level. And mm-hmm. um, it, it shows that they're doing things the right way. And and it looks like at uh, Bree Stevens Field that the atmosphere um, is, is raucous. Looks like it's a really fun time. So I would love to go and check out a game there at some stage. Um, you know, and uh, and credit where credit's due. It looks like Ford Madison are doing it the right way. Yeah, it, it should be fun. Um, I don't believe there's any currently any plans for streaming. There's no broadcast, but or, no. or anything like that. I guess there's a possibility that streaming is something that happens. If there is, it's new to me. I know. I have, <laughs> <laughs> get ready. It seems like you know the roster pretty well, so I think it'd be okay. Um, but I'm sure that's going to be a fun event. Anybody, if we have any people who listen in Madison, uh, you know, this, it's going to be great. Uh, let's talk a little bit. It feels like the distant future, but again, I'm going to be away next week. So let's let's touch just briefly on the return to MLS uh, play with FC Cincinnati next Saturday. Saturday, June 29th, um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, uh, they're coming off uh, four straight MLS losses and they've lost nine out of the last 10, uh, after starting sort of comparatively brightly and then sort of wallowing and then coming back. And now they're sort of wallowing a little bit again here. Um, but they've also had a measure of success in the, the open cup. They dispatched Louisville city, uh, in the fourth round. And now they're going to face FC St. Louis tonight on the day that we're recording, which is yep. Wednesday. Um, what's, what do we think about Cincinnati halfway through the first MLS season? Um, well, how long have we got? I, um, <laughs> uh, based on this, we are, we're at 29 minutes, so maybe 10 minutes if you want. <laughs> um, look, uh, the the good thing is is that Jeff Birding has has realised he's not a soccer GM; sure. he's a business person. Yeah. Um, the new GM that's come in has come in with an extensive resume um, in terms of uh, being a GM in, in Dutch football. Um, the, the biggest thing for me now is they have to make the right choice in terms of the next head coach. They have to get, in my opinion, a, a, a manager with MLS experience. <clears throat> I, I keep hearing all sorts of names through this MLS grapevine that we're all a part of and... Um, I, I I don't know if a big international manager would be the right move for them. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, um, knowing the, the the GM and where he's come from. It wouldn't surprise me if the next manager is Dutch. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, if I was in charge, I would go for somebody who has MLS experience. Um, you know, uh, do, do you look at someone like a Carl Robinson or someone like that? You know. Um, do you uh, have a look? I mean, I, I think Bruce Arena would have been a, a tremendous appointment for them. Obviously, now he's sure. with the Revolution, so that's not possible. But um, you know, do, do they go down that route and 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 see if they can get an MLS proven manager in? Um, Jason Christ is another one that potentially uh, could be on that list. But I think um, 
for me, um, the, the roster was assembled very, very quickly. Yep. Um, we all know how that feels here in Minnesota because we did it faster. <laughs> um, I, again, with all due respect, I think they brought in too many USL players. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you can ask Jamie Watson about this because he knows more than more than most. The difference in quality from USL to MLS is is huge, yeah. especially nowadays as well. Yeah. And 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 look, US that that's no disrespect to USL because USL is is as good as it's ever been right now. Yeah. It's really it's a really good league, but MLS is a fabulous league, mm-hmm. and in my opinion, in the top ten in the world now. Um, so, I I know the uh, I guess we call them technical directors nowadays, um, Luke Sassano. Um, who I, I, I do feel a bit sorry for because he's under a lot of pressure to get this right. Um, obviously, we knew they were coming in with the DP in the, the shape of Fernando Adi. And it was obvious the way they were going to play with some of the additions they made with Powell on the right and, and Garza on the left of the back line. Kendall Waston was going to be the big brute and, and uh, Nick Hagland alongside him and, and um, Deplan as well has, has done well. Um, again, the, there is an element of no real identity at the moment. Mm-hmm. They, they signed 54 central midfielders. Right. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure that Johan de May, the, the current caretaker manager, really knows what the best team is at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bertone is an experienced European midfielder. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, has he proven he's good enough for this league yet? I, I can't answer that question. Eric Alexander has, has you know, <laughs> he's uh, an MLS veteran who, you know, has bounced around the league. Um, I, I'm just I'm just not convinced there's enough quality, to be honest, Steve. And, and, and even from uh, an attacking perspective, you know, that it, it it doesn't seem as though they've added enough. And, and I feel sorry for Fernando Adi and, and, you know, the other couple of players they've had playing in attacking roles. There doesn't seem to be a lot of creativity at the moment. Um, I, I just wonder when they're going to turn this corner. Um, it, it, it's a strange one right now. But, but for me... What they need to do more than anything right now is they have to get whoever they appoint as the next head coach, they have to get it right. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, this could be uh, a really miserable existence in Major League Soccer for them. Yeah, you really don't want to see a sort of um, a variation of what seems to have happened with Orlando, where um, coming in, a lot of sort of a, a big groundswell of enthusiasm for it and then a decision to change course and then a decision to change course and a sort of a decision to change course. They sort of haven't really like, they've had talent and they haven't quite like it, let anything marinate long enough. Um, I, I mean, again, it's like you got to make that decision, right? You can't know how something's going to turn out, but there is something about sticking to a course. I'm not saying that they, that Cincinnati were on a course that they should have stuck to, but I think what you're saying with getting the right um, coach uh, is to say, find that right person. And then you got to stick with it. You know, like you, your first year, maybe you get a mulligan on some of these decisions. Sure. The, the Kenny safe one is another one that, that, that his whole situation, it's so just, bizarre. I'm baffled because it seemed like based on the way the roster was constructed, it seemed like they brought, it was like, well, here's a talented guy. We're bringing him in, but without any real due consideration for how the team was going to play. And so when he got minutes, he did well, it seemed like, but he wasn't getting minutes. And then his loan was supposed to be up, you know, in a couple of weeks. And it said they just terminated it because it was like he was injured. He's not going to play. And it seemed like he was sort of in a lot of ways, maybe the most rawly talented player they had, um, but they couldn't make it fit. You know, and I don't know how it goes with players. Sometimes it's like if, if something had not gone well, 
and the fit wasn't working, it wasn't worth keeping him for longer than you needed to, because no matter how good he is, it wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work out on the field. So, but uh, yeah, there, I mean, it's, it's a game that we should expect Minnesota United to do well. in. I would say Um, you you would be extremely disappointed if you don't win that game. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. And, you know, I, I think actually though, but the way that they have set themselves up, it might actually suit them actually coming to Allianz Field because they have been beyond direct, as you would expect. And and the, the best example we got of that was their shock win early in the season against Atlanta United in the yep, league. Absolutely. And uh, I think it may have been Kendall Waston who lobbed a ball over the top and Roland Lamar latched onto it and, and was able to break away and, and slot past Brad Guzan. And um, I, I just, you know... <sighs> They, they, they've got some decent individuals. Yeah. Um, Darren Mattox is, is someone who's got a, a boatload of speed as well who can cause problems that can really stretch a back line. But um, again, I've, I've never really been convinced that they've been dominant enough in midfield, even when they've played three central midfielders as well. And, um, you know, the, the likes of uh, Uyo and I already mentioned Batone and um, Alexander and, um, you know, w- whether they've had... Um, you know whether it's Frankie Amaya who, who's who's come in or, or Alashe or th- there's never really been a, a proper dominating midfielder. You know what would have been great for them would have been Ozzy Alonso if they would have actually put the money up to sign him. But sure. obviously yes. Minnesota beat them to it. Um, Amaya Amaya's looked. I mean, I think as an 18 year old, Amaya shows a lot of promise as as somebody to to to, to work with. On he does, but he can't be the answer at 18. No, not he at 18. Be. But just to see it like a, like a good. 18-year-old on a team that's going to have years of time to sort of put stuff together is good. You would hope so, yeah. You, you would really hope so. But even like uh, Ledesma and El Badawi and, and all these attacking players, I, I'm just not convinced they have enough, Steve. I'm really not. So, as I said, for, for me, they will be direct, and that was blatantly obvious uh, the way they were going to go about things when they signed Adi. They signed all the central midfielders. That they, yeah. they put some resources into the wide players with speed, and they got the, the fullbacks who, who were... Uh, attacking-minded fullbacks and the big centre-halves. It was obvious what they were going to do. Um, so I think, actually, their game plan may very well frustrate Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and I could see that happening. But but still, um, again, I, I would be flabbergasted if Minnesota didn't beat Cincinnati at home. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. I, I feel like the loons sometimes fall into that. They can fall into that trap of if the other team seems to not be trying to get the ball, they'll start moving around and developing things and sort of seeing opportunities. And they get so focused on that, trying to get those opportunities. If those opportunities don't land they're, they're they open themselves up to those direct counterattacks. Mm. Um, you know, but if the, if those opportunities do land, then you can jump out to a two Oh three Oh lead or something. And then you have to, and then, okay. But then the other team is playing catch up. So, yeah, you know, we've just seen that happen a couple of times where it's like, they're frustrated a couple of times on offense and it feels like they start pushing in on offense a little bit and that leaves them exposed at the back. Hopefully, you know, that's uh, that Darwin and Angelo getting and, and Ethan also getting, getting good in the last couple of games is a, is a harbinger of, you know, increased production going forward. So. Yeah, absolutely. It, it'll be an intriguing game. Um, and I'm looking forward to, um, I, I guess we could describe it as a, a battle of the brutes really between Rodriguez and Waston, I think that's going to be really intriguing Probably, to yeah. watch, you know. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, uh, for me, it, it, a lot of it comes down to the secondary runs then from Darwin. Uh, can he provide Angelo with an option straight away? Um, you know, I would I would expect, obviously we don't know, the, the game is uh, a ways away yet, but uh, you would expect it to be Finlay and, and Miguel Ibarra on either side. And um, again, this is a chance for them to, to prove how good they are. 
Um, I think Miguel Ibarra desperately needs a goal as well, especially at Allianz Field in front of the Wonder Wall. That would be a picture-perfect moment for him. Yeah. And, and I think with the way that, again, I'm assuming Alves Powell is going to be the right back, with the way that he asserts himself, I don't think there's a better chance for someone like Miguel Ibarra to, to find the back of the net on um, uh, next Saturday against Cincinnati. But um, look, we'll, we'll wait and see. I think there's going to be an element of frustration um, because I think Cincinnati will set up two for straight. Uh, and as I said, go direct. But... Um, We'll wait and see. If Minnesota United have their way, I think playing in between the lines, I think they could cause Cincinnati some real problems. Well, thanks for joining us for the 62nd Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next MLS game is on Saturday, June 29th at Allianz Field against FC Cincinnati. That game kicks off at 3 p.m. Central Time. You can catch that game on ESPN. Sorry, Cal. Well, that's okay. I'm actually looking forward to doing a radio commentary. Yeah, radio commentary is fun. So I, lo- I do miss radio. Yes. You say, really, you really say commentary. Commentary, yes. Com- commentary. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've, I've watched Dan Terhard do uh, the, the play-by-play. It's, uh, it's dizzying. Uh, I, you know, as someone who I filled in on radio a couple times, sort of doing the, the front end and the halftime stuff, you know, things like that. But, um, you know, and Dan coming from hockey, he doesn't have the depth of, he didn't came, come into the gig with the depth of knowledge of, of the league. Mm. And he's sitting there with like all these sheets and yes. just calling things out. It's like that, that knowing when to say something, when not to say something, like how to paint the picture, that stuff. Yeah. It's a, there's an artistry to it. Dan, Dan's done really well as is Johnny Harrison, uh, yeah. in the radio roles, but yeah, I mean, with, with my radio background, Steve, I really do miss radio. And uh, I'm really, it's funny, someone else said this to me the other day, oh, you know, at this point you're not going to be able to do the game on, on FSN. Uh, yeah, obviously, but I mean, I, I do enjoy radio. It is a thrill yeah. and uh, looking forward to the commentary. So you can listen to Cal on uh, MNUFC Radio on Score North. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. Apologies, as always, to Richard Bogner. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom and me at Steve Entris. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>